Back out of Batista, and the pitch on the way, and a high fastball bounced into the hole on the right side for a base hit. Here's Batista around third. That throw to the plate, and Batista is beat. He is dead beat. What a throw by Ichiro. My, oh, my, he's done it again. Another Ichiro Saturday night in Seattle. Unbelievable show by our man from Japan. One more time, Sad, and here comes a 2-2 pitch to Edgar Martinez down. A fastball, swung on, hit the deep center field. Bucky Williams goes back, and he is From high atop the Robinson Hearing Studio Complex and straight out of God's country, Pauley's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards K Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. Good moment, baseball universe. What is up? It's your boy. Jake the Snake Robinson from the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. Holler if you hear me. Half mad, half podcast machine. Shields down, photons up. Prepare to engage on this week's digital audio show that I call Backwards K Pod, where we collect ballplayers and their stories. Backwards K Pod is available on all podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to your pods, tune in, Google, Samsung, Stitcher, Podbean, iHeart. I'm all tangled up in the web, brah. If you're a Spotify or Apple user, please remember to rate and review me as you see fit. Ain't skirt. I'm coming through every Tuesday with that free baseball smoke. I will never charge my growing seamhead army for the content. No Patreon, no crowdsourcing. I mean, I'm actually appalled that some podcasters nickel and dime their audience in today's economy. That ain't never going down like that here. I actually respect and love my audience. So I'll just bring my coward to junior work ethic every week, and uh, we'll see what happens. And look, I feel like we're in a good place as far as the show is concerned. We've really begun to hit our stride. The vaults of archive shows are steadily being stocked with that fresh produce every week. And if you're new in the hood, you might want to check those out, either on your podcast platforms, or you can visit my website, diamondsnakejake.podbean.com. And I got a pretty eclectic array of shows, as I have covered over 160 years of baseball already, from Moses Fleetwood Walker all the way up to Shohei Otani. At last week's show, Disco Demolition Night, it went over really, really well. I was grateful to receive all the kind messages about it. So, I want to say thank you. You can always email the show at backwardskpod at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Twitter at jrobbie1 or the show's page, which is at backwards underscore k underscore podcast. Okay. 
Enough of that. I'm ready to roll. Let's get this train moving again. I've been circling this date on the calendar for a few months now in anticipation of this show. And I mentioned uh, Shohei Otani a minute ago. And look, being of Japanese descent, I couldn't be more proud of what Otani is doing today in the modern game. And now there's this rookie sensation, uh, Seiyu Suzuki. He's writing his story and capturing the hearts and minds of Cub fans out of the friendly confines. Well, the same way that black American ballplayers pay homage to Jackie Robinson or the reverence that Latinos have for Roberto Clemente, you can make the case that our next topic will hold that kind of sway over his countrymen's influence and spirit in the major leagues forever. (laughs) I'm talking, of course, about the international hit king, Ichiro. And Ichiro, man, he's a different cat. There, There's like this true mystique that surrounds him. He is a virtual baseball sensei who made hitting look easy. He made running the bags look easy. He was a rock star, outfield wall crawler like Spider-Man. And his arm was something out of Star Wars. And when you're monotonously known... By one name, there will always be a mystique that surrounds you, whether you're Socrates, Prince, Pele, or right here with Ichiro. In Japanese terms, he is samurai, a baseball warrior dedicated to the pursuit of baseball profession. And don't let his quiet, friendly exterior on TV fool you. Ichiro was a killer on the field. His rise to and through the ranks of Major League Baseball is unlike any other in the history of our beloved game. His style was reminiscent of an earlier era of ball. Although, let's be honest, uh, Ichiro had power. And he could drop dong if he chose to. Just ask a unanimous Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera. 9.35 on their feet now. Couple of Hall of Famers going head to head. confused that, you know, Ichiro, while he was, you know, this hit him where they ain't kind of guy, if he needed to muscle up on a pitch, he could do it. And he used his tremendous back control to hit for all fields. To see Ichiro's hitting style, one might imagine like a Ty Cobb type of hit him where they ain't approach and then use your wheels. Ichiro, which means brightest, most cheerful, was born October 22nd, 1973. And Nichi Kasugai, a prefecture of Nagoya, Japan. Now, if you heard my Shohei Otani show, I explained that a prefecture is a lot like a county or a district here in the United States. Now, if you haven't heard that Otani show, you can check it out in my vault of archives at diamondsnakejake.podbean.com. 
The Suzuki's are a baseball family. His father, Nobuyuki, was a former high school pitcher. He would buy Ichiro his first glove and was playing catch with him <laughs> at three years old. Uh, Ichiro's famous work ethic and preparedness, it was certainly instilled in him by his father. And although Ichiro was a naturally right-handed hitter, the father told him how to bat left-handed because lefties get the first base faster. When Ichiro was seven, the two established a daily routine of workouts and drills. Regardless of the weather, the boy would throw 50 pitches, he'd hit 200 soft-tossed, 50 infield, and 50 outfield plays. And after dinner, Nobuyuki and his son would finish the night at the batting cage where Ichiro would take about 250 to 300 swings a day. By the time Ichiro was a young teenager, he knew exactly what he was going to be in life. In a sixth grade essay, the young Ichiro wrote, My dream when I grow up is to be a first class professional baseball player. I have the confidence to do the necessary practice to reach my goal. I only get five or six hours a year to play with my friends. That's how much I practice. So, I think I can become a pro baseball player. Now, Nobuyuki and Ichiro, they look back in those days through uh, different perspectives. Nobuyuki would tell you that it was a great time of life. The two were very happy chasing this dream together. Ichiro, however, sees it through a different lens. To him, it bordered on hazing. He suffered greatly during those brutal days, but the competitive young Ichiro-san would never say no to his father. The way he looked at it as the child, his father was doing everything in his power to make his dreams become viable, and he would be just as willing to meet his father's intensity. At a young, at a young age, Ichiro had the word shochu written on his glove. I'm sorry, shuchu. And that means concentration. Now, in the Otani show, I told you how huge high school baseball is in Japan. From an American's perspective, think Texas high school football on steroids. It's huge, Japanese high school baseball. Most Japanese people, they don't live in the big cities like Tokyo, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. Most live in these like smaller prefectures, and they have a more communal tie to these high school baseball teams. I'll be doing a Baseball Japan show in a few months, and it is truly an amazing and mysterious baseball culture, unlike anything in our hemisphere. Like college sports here, high school baseball in Japan is your formative make or break years in baseball. Now, when Ichiro was accepted at Nagoya's prestigious Aikodai Maiden High School, Ichiro's father told his baseball coach to never praise his son. He wanted his son to be spiritually strong and humble. And I'm not going to lie to you, Ichiro's time there was tough. As a freshman in high school, he had to wake up at 3 in the morning. He had to scrub the dormitory floors. He had to do the upperclassmen's dirty laundry. 
And after he became a starter his junior year, the chores were now replaced with running drills, throwing car tires for hours, hitting wiffle balls with shovels. And Ichiro has often said that his time at Aikodai, my then, was the hardest thing that he ever experienced. However, all that hard work was paying off. The drills had developed his hips and his wrist. He was also adding power and endurance to his thin frame. And thanks to his, you know, ridiculously strong arm, and, you know, most of us know what that's all about. I mean, he had an amazing arm. He still does. <laughs> you see him throw that first pitch a couple weeks ago. You know, he still does. He was used primarily as a pitcher in high school, not the right fielder that we all know. But Ichiro, as you can imagine, he could hit a little bit in high school. He batted 502 in his high school career. He never, not once, in his high school career struck out swinging. And he was called out on strikes a mere 10 times. He twice led a school to the prestigious Koshin High School Japanese Baseball Tournament. I told you guys all about that tournament and how big of a role it plays in Japanese culture. Every Japanese player that has ever played in Major League Baseball has played in the Koshin. Again, if you haven't heard the Otani show, uh, I hit on it extensively. Go check it out. When I do the Baseball Japan show, it will certainly be a big part of that show. However, in spite of all these, you know, high school achievements, Ichiro was not chosen until the fourth round of the 1991 Nippon Professional Baseball Draft in Japan. He was selected by the Orange Blue Waves. Scouts throughout the league doubted he could compete. Because it was five foot nine, one hundred and twenty pound stature at the time, and years later, Ichiro would say, "Quote: I'm not a big guy. Hopefully, kids will look at me and see that I'm not muscular nor physically imposing. I'm just a regular guy with a regular body. So, if someone with a regular body can break records, so can you." End quote. Ichiro made his Nippon professional baseball debut for the Blue Wave in 1992 at the age of 18. But he would spend much of the first two seasons in the minors rattling off 156 hits for a 368 batting average. Oryx Blue Wave manager Shozo Doi, he refused to accept Ichiro's swing. He called it gimmicky and unorthodox. And I feel like we should talk about that swing here for a second. It certainly lends itself to the mystique of Ichiro, right? No one swings like that consistently on the major league level. Even Japanese ballers, they don't even swing like that. Most Japanese ballers, they lift the front leg, then they stomp on the end. Ichiro's swing is complex. In Japan, it's called Furiko Naho, or the pendulum. Because the pendulum like motion of his leg, which shifts his weight forward while he's swinging the bat, almost giving the look of him running while hitting at the same time. It goes virtually in the face of conventional hitting theory. 
And every time Ichiro was called up, he would prove he belongs, but Shozo Doi, in his rigid ways, would send the kid back down. Finally, 1994, Oryx hired Akira Oji as the new manager. And Ichiro would be rewarded with everyday play and number two in the lineup. And he would eventually take that leadoff spot and abuse Japanese pitchers. He set the single-season Japanese hit record with 210 in a season, becoming the first player in Nippon professional baseball history to register 200 hits in a season. Now, five other players have done it since Ichiro set the standard. Matt Merton, former Minnesota Twin. Norichika Aoki, Alex Ramirez, Soyoshi Nishioka, and Shogo Akiyama. But those players have benefited from a 140-game schedule while Ichiro did his in a 130-game season. Ichiro's uh, 385 average in 1994 was a new Pacific League record and the first of seven consecutive batting titles in Japan. It was also the first of three straight Pack League MVPs as well. And it was during that 94 season that he began using his given first name on the back of his, of his jersey instead of the family last name of Suzuki. The name Suzuki is actually the second most common last name in Japan. And his manager, Oji, who loved his rising star so much more than his predecessor, introduced the idea, kind of as like this, you know, publicity move to, number one, create a new image going forward for a team that has lived in relative Japanese mediocrity and obscurity, and number two, separate his rising star from the other Suzuki's in the league. And initially, the idea embarrassed Ichiro, and he disliked the practice. But by the end of the season, Ichiro and his backwater Blue Waves team were becoming household names, and the endorsement deals began stacking up like Ichiro base hits, baby. In 1995, Ichiro leads the Oris team to the first pennant in 12 years. In addition to the uh, second of his... Seven straight batting titles. He dropped uh, 25, 25 dogs and he paced the league with 80 RBIs and 49 stolen bases. The Japanese press began calling him Ando Saizokai or the Hit Machine. Later, the press would just call him Kaibutsu, a.k.a. Monster. In 1996, he leads Oryx to a Japanese series championship over the mighty Yamori Giants. After that season, he would participate in a series against MLB All-Stars, and it was then that Ichiro began seriously thinking about playing in America. In November 1998, Japanese and MLB All-Stars had another friendly set of matches against one another. And Ichiro lit up major league pitching like a Christmas tree. He batted 380, had seven stolen bases, and he won praise from guys like Jamie Moyer, Slugger Sammy Sosa, and even Barry Bonds quip, that little bastard out right field can ball. On December 3rd, 1999, Ichiro marries Yomiko Fukushima, an announcer on a major uh, Toyo, uh, Tokyo television network. 
The wedding took place at a small private ceremony in Los Angeles. The, co- uh, the couple decided to hold the event outside of Japan in order to avoid the media crush that would have surely followed them had they went to Japan. By 2000, Ichiro was still a year away from being eligible to pose for Major League Baseball. But the Oryx Club was no longer an elite team, and because the Blue Wave knew they went uh, never be able to put a financial package together that would have kept Ichiro on the team, or in Japan for that matter, they allowed him to negotiate with major league clubs. And Ichiro, using the posting system that is used a lot in Japanese ball. Again, this is something we covered in Otani, but I'll blast through it here quickly. The, the posting system is a charge to any and all Major League Baseball teams interested in available Japanese talent. There is a bidding war for the right to negotiate with that talent. The Mariners won that bid for around $13 million. That money goes directly to the Orange Ball Club. Now that the M's have won that bid, they now have the right to negotiate with that player for a contract. And in this case, the Mariners and Ichiro negotiated a three-year, $14 million contract. So, all told, Ichiro cost the Mariners $27 million. $13 million uh, to win the rights to negotiate with them. And then this three-year, $14 million contract. In his nine-year NPB career, Ichiro had a three fifty-three batting average, seven gold gloves, and three MVPs. Nothing has ever been easy for Ichiro, no matter how easy he may have made it look. But now, the biggest test of his life was upon him. Sure, Hideo Nomo had gone to the States and he proved Japanese pitchers can be successful. But no Japanese position player had ever made it. And with doubters on both sides of the Pacific Ocean, Ichiro was determined to prove everybody wrong. And many people wondered how how the small market Seattle Mariners got Ichiro before the big market teams could get on it. Well, here's a story. So, Jim Colburn, who had been the Pacific Rim scouting director for the M's and had been a pitching coach for Oryx in the early 90s, when Ichiro was shooting a Nissan commercial in L.A. during the winter, he stayed at Colburn's home in Los Angeles. Colburn gifted Ichiro a Ken Griffey Jr. jersey, who was Ichiro's favorite player at the time. In addition, Orcs and the uh, Mariners had an agreement to share marketing ideas in exchange for information on Japanese ballplayers coming through the system. When Orcs posted Ichiro, it was Colbert who convinced manager uh, Mariners GM Pat Gillick that the team should aggressively pursue Kaibutsu. Gillick then sold the idea to Seattle's principal owner, Hiroshi Yamauchi, who is also the president of Nintendo. Now, Yamauchi, who was very familiar with Ichiro's career, was sold on the idea. So much so, he even added his own personal money to sweeten the pot. The truth is, most teams in Major League Baseball, they didn't want Ichiro. They believed that he was too small to be an impact player in in the United States. So, the same bullshit he heard coming up in Japan is what he's facing again, all over. And Ichiro would make all those baseball geniuses regret their decision. 
Ichiro was the Mariners starting right field on opening day 2001. And I personally remember his rookie season so vividly. All these guys saying he couldn't do it. And as a person of Japanese descent, I'm just praying that the little guy can hang in there and open the portal to more Japanese ballplayers. There's something about this guy. He's quiet, confident. I, I took him with the second pick in my fantasy draft that year after Barry Bonds, of course. <laughs> Nobody cares about your fantasy team, buddy. From day one, I saw his field approach that, that I, I, I haven't seen before. Tony Gwynn, Wade Boggs in their prime. They're probably the last guys I saw with this, you know, all fields approach. And by day eight, I saw an all-around baseball savant, a genius, an artist. After each row's leadoff single sparked a three-run rally against the rival Oakland A's at the top of the eighth, it would be his play in the bottom half of the inning that would put Ichiro on everyone's baseball radar. And he would remain there for the rest of his, his career. It is a play that is officially called the throw. With Terrence Long running on contact from first base. Also wants a fastball away. Brown ball, base hit, and away field. So, heading to third base is long the throw to third base, and they've got him nailed at third base on a tremendous throw by Ichiro. I'm here to tell you that Ichiro threw something out of Star Wars down there at third base. I love I love Dave Niehaus. I mean, he's the guy that that's calling that Edgar Martinez home run in the beginning of the show. I love his tempo, his pace. I love the way he gets into the play. Dave Niehaus will always be one of my favorites. Rest in peace, big fella. And folks, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, but you know, if you haven't. You owe it to yourself. It's quite simply everything that is good about baseball, watching Ichiro throw Terrence Long out at third base with something, you know, out of Star Wars. Despite his stellar start of the season, there were still doubts, even from his own teammates. Ichiro himself has admitted it took him about three months to gain his teammates' trust. But Ichiro continued to just dominate this game that we that we call baseball. By the All-Star break, he led all of baseball with 133 hits. He started for the AL in center field and beat out an infield single against Diamondbacks pitcher, the big unit, Randy Johnson, in his first at bat. A couple quick notes to hit on there. Ichiro was a 329 lifetime hitter versus Southpaws and a 303 hitter versus right-handed pitching. I love that fucking stat. I mean... Nothing phased that guy, and he was even more determined against left-handed arms. And also, the Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson was number 51 when he played for the Mariners. Now, after he left the Mariners, the, the number was retired. So Ichiro, when he came to America, he really wanted to wear 51. And he calls Randy Johnson, and he promises Randy Johnson that he will never embarrass that number. He will play hard every single day if Randy Johnson will just allow him to wear that number. And Randy Johnson, to his 
credit. He was gracious enough to let him. So, the Mariners, number 51, is actually retired by two players. Randy Johnson and Ichiro. So, that was a little side note. But, addition to having, like, you know, this amazing rookie campaign, his play was translating in the standings. As the Mariners had a 63-24 and record at the All-Star break for a 724 winning percentage. And they had complete control of the West. Seattle wound up winning 116 games that season, tying the 1906 Chicago Cubs for the most wins in MLB history. They would go on to beat Cleveland in the ALDS, but they would fall to the three-time champion New York Yankees in five games in the ALCS. But while the Mariners came up short in their team goals, each row season was mind-bottling. The 27-year-old won the American League Rookie of the Year Award and the American League Most Valuable Player Award, joining Fred Lynn as the only AL player to ever accomplish the feat. In 150 games, he led the league in batting average. He ranked second in runs. He led all of baseball in plate appearance, at-bats, hits, and stolen bases. Ichiro was the first person to lead a league in batting average and stolen bases since Jackie Robinson in 1949. This cat was playing a different kind of game. He was playing chess. The rest of the league was playing checkers. And let's take a look at those numbers real quick of that historical rookie campaign from Ichiro. Let's see. 2001 Ichiro, let's see, 738 plate appearances, 692 at-bats, his, uh, look at it, 242 hits here, that was the highest hit total since Bill Terry of the Giants back in 1930, 34 doubles, 8 triples, 127 runs, 8 home runs, 69 ribs, 56 stolen bases, and a 350, 457, 838 slash, with a 126 OPS plus. And he would win the first of his 10 consecutive gold gloves. As great as Ichiro was with the bat in his hand, he was equally as good defensively. The humble Ichiro was surprised that he was voted MVP. In his, in his mind, teammate Brett Boone was the proper MVP in 2001. In both the 2002 and 2003 seasons, Suzuki re- recorded at least 200 hits and scored 111 runs. Both seasons, he won a gold glove. Both seasons, he started the All-Star game. Both seasons, the M's would win on 93 games. Both seasons, they fell short of the playoffs. But the stage was set for one of the greatest pure-hitting seasons in Major League Baseball history. By the end of April 2004, Ichiro was hitting a mere 255, and the Mariners' record was a mediocre 8-15. By the end of June, Ichiro was on fire. 315 in July, he collected 51 hits, and he batted 432 in the month. In August, he added 56 more hits. Between July 1st and 7th, September 6th, he hit safely a record 121 times, and he batted 458. Only Rogers Hornsby produced a higher average of the same amount of games when he hit 486 in a three-month span. Through September 6th, Ichiro had a 226, had uh, 226 hits with 25 games remaining to chase George Sisler's record of 257 in 1920. 
on August 1st in front of a full house, including George Sisler's daughter, at Safeco Field in Seattle. Ichiro would have a three-hit performance, breaking Sisler's record in Game 160. And Ichiro admitted there was pressure on his shoulders, and it was good to get the weight off of him. In Japan, Ichiro's father watched watched the TV screen with tears in his eyes. And that season was one for the ages. Ichiro became the first player to get 200 hits in the first four years of his Major League Baseball career. His 924 hits in those four-year span is the most by any four-year span player of any era. Era. <laughs> his 300, uh, 372 batting average was the major's highest. He earned his four straight All-Star appearance and four straight Gold Glove. More importantly, he proved once and for all that Japanese position players can, in fact, compete in the United States of America. The Mariners would never make it back to the playoffs with each other team after his rookie season. Seattle had their opportunities in 2002 and 2003, but they fell off down the stretch. In 2007, Seattle got within uh, one game of first place here in August, but again, they fell off at a critical moment. But Ichiro was a model of consistency. By the end of 2010, he had bashed at least 200 hits in 10 straight seasons. Something that's never been done in Major League Baseball before. He set the American League record with 45 consecutive steals from April of 2006 to May of 2007. Another one of Ichiro's great all-star plays happens in 2007. With the American League down 1-0 in the fifth inning, Ichiro hits a blast off Chris Young that took an unexpected carom off the right field wall, uh, driving in Brian Roberts and putting the AL on top with his inside-the-park home run at the stadium formerly known as AT&T Park in San Francisco. Ichiro would go 3-for-3 three three in that Midsummer Classic and walk away with MVP hardware. It's, uh, it's gone. Here's a shot into deep right field. Back at the wall. Ichiro hits it off the wall. He takes a weird carom, and Ichiro may circle the bases. In to score is Roberts. Here comes Ichiro. Inside the park home run. And Ichiro was also the spirit of the team, uh, Team Japan, in the two World Baseball Classic tournaments in 2006 and 2009. In the 06 WBC, Ichiro, two hits, three runs in the final game of the tournament, was just way too much for Cuba to handle. That propelled Japan to win the first World Baseball Classic tournament ever. And early in that tourney, Uh, Japan was setting up the face of the United States, and Ichiro was getting a sense that his countrymen were kind of in awe of these Americans, like a bunch of little groupies. And it was Ichiro who sat that team down and hit him with the toughness that his father instilled in him. And he would tell his teammates that he didn't like what he was seeing and hearing in the clubhouse. Don't be in awe of these guys. Be a warrior. Kick the pillow out from under their heads while they're sleeping. If any of you do not believe we can beat them, then go back home. We don't need you. 
The Japanese would then go on and embarrass the Americans. And it just proves that he don't say much, but when he does, people listen. In the 09 Classic, his RBI hit in the ninth inning set the championship game against South Korea in the extra innings. And his two RBI knock in the tenth would prove to be the game winning hit, securing Japan's back to back WBC crowns. Ichiro was literally the difference in that game. Though he always appears stoic, uh, the word from players who know him say he is hilarious and he loves the F word. For example, before the 2002 All-Star Game, Joe Torrey, the AL manager, gives a calm professional speech about how special this day is. And you guys should just go out and enjoy it. He then points to Ichiro and asks him, would you like to add anything to this? And Ichiro, who's just a second-year player, second All-Star game, he's quiet for a second, and then he says, let's kick their fucking fat asses! And the clubhouse is literally in tears. Some say Derek Jeter pisses pants, I don't know. But because of that statement there, Ichiro always had the last word at any All-Star game he participated in, and they were almost always something like this kind of smart-ass remark. However, Ichiro, despite all his abilities and precocious inner youth, he fell prey to father time like every other athlete who's ever lived. In 2011... He batted 272, his first sub-300 season, and that was at the age of 37. It was also the first time he missed 200 hits in a season. He's batting 261 when the Mariners traded the beloved star to the New York Yankees. From September 1st through the end of the 2012 season, Ichiro batted 362 while in pinstripes as the Yankees went 20-11 down the stretch. Uh, he would only hit 217 in the ALDS versus Baltimore, but he scored a crucial run in the Game 5 decisive victory. And he did bat 357 in the ALCS versus Detroit, but the Yankees were swept by the Tigers, and that would be Ichiro's last postseason appearance. He never made the World Series. In 2014, Ichiro signed a free agent deal with the Miami Marlins. He didn't hit well, but he was a great fourth outfielder uh, insurance with John Carlos Stanton constantly wrestling with injuries all year. He was still an elite defender in right field. He was a great bat off, off the bench. So the Marlins brought him back in 2016 after his deal expired. Now, on August 7th at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado, he uh, turned on a Chris Russell fastball that banged off the right field wall. And Ichiro and his 42-year-old legs, they hit warp speed as he rolled in the third with a stand-up triple for a hit number 3,000. And I believe that Paul Molitor is the only other player besides Ichiro to hit a triple for hit number 3,000. The 2-0.
Cleveland. And even though I was still playing outstanding defense, I hit 291, and he was great off the bench as a pinch hitter. The Marlins decided it wasn't good enough to warrant them to resign each row. Uh, Derek Jeter had taken over. The fire sale had commenced already. During spring training 2018, the baseball gods intervened. Three Mariners outfielders had been injured, so they turned to Ichiro, who would actually be the starting right field for Seattle at the age of 44 years, five months, seven days, making him the fifth oldest player to make an opening day start. He played in 15 games. He batted just 205 before his last appearance on May 2nd. The Mariners then kicked him upstairs to serve as a uh, front office advisor. And they also leaned on him to become, you know, like this hitting, base running, and outfield defense instructor with the total intentions of keeping him in the organization for the long term. The gods were not through with Ichiro. In 2019, the Mariners opened the season in Japan versus the very first team ever faced, the rival, Oakland A's. After starting both games of the season, uh, in the eighth inning of the second game, his teammates left the field to let Ichiro have his moment with his countrymen and women one last time. And it was both tearful and sad for me. I just thought for sure Ichiro was going to, I, I don't know, probably die soon. I just figured without baseball, what what was left for this old seam head here? He tipped his cap. He left the field in the dugout. And he went immediately into the conference room to announce his retirement and answer questions. His old friend Ken Griffey Jr. interrupted the press conference about 30 minutes in to tell Ichiro that he was being summoned by the fans and they were refusing to leave without one more glimpse of their hero. So Ichiro reluctantly at first comes out, tips his cap, and then he did a lap around the Tokyo Dome and shook hands and celebrated his career with the Japanese fans, and a move that was reminiscent of the night Calvert Jr. broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive game string record at Oriole Park in Camden Yards. Since his retirement, Ichiro has served for the Mariners as a uniformed instructor during spring training. He's also been known to show up at various high schools in Japan and give the starstruck youth tips on how to be better, as well as pitch batting practice. And just two weeks ago, here in 2022, Ichiro threw a 93-mile-per-hour fastball as a, in a first-pitch ceremony at, at a, a Mariners game. I mean, he's still a freak. And just an amazing, amazing player with an amazing journey. I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up. Let's take a look at Ichiro's final career stats. 19-year Major League Baseball career. All-time international hit king if you total his Japanese and American hit totals. He played for the Mariners, Yankees, and Fish. 2,653 games, 1,420 runs, 3,089 hits. And remember, folks, remember this. He got his first Major League hit at the age of 27. So, let that percolate in your cerebellum there for a second. He missed 10 years of baseball in America. 
at least eight. He could have had 4,000 hits. There's no doubt in my mind. Let that percolate. 362 doubles, 96 triples, 117 home runs, 780 RBI, 509 stolen bases, 117 times caught at a 311, 355, 402 slash, a 107 OPS plus, 60 wins above replacement. So, there you have it, folks. The life and times of the incomparable Ichiro. And I got to tell you, Ichiro for sure is one of the top pure hitters I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I put him in the mix with guys like Boggs, Carew, Gwynn, Rose. Just an unbelievable talent and one of my favorites ever. Another show in the can and the train rolls on. Like I said earlier, you can find this and other shows of mine all over the web, be it Facebook or YouTube on the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network pages or at my website, diamondsnakejink.podbean.com. There are plenty of books, websites, videos dedicated to each row, so I implore you, check them out. I'll be back next week, and we will discuss one of the crown jewels of baseball stadiums from yesteryear, Shy Park. This one is for uh, the super fan, Cecil, down there in Tampa. He was disappointed that I wouldn't be doing uh, a show on the A's crib, that uh, god-awful mausoleum out in Alameda County. So we both agreed, you know, that the A's former house, Shy Park, is worthy of our attention. But that's another podcast for another day here at Backwards K Pod, where we collect ball players and their stories. Parents, if you see your kid sitting on the couch with that bored look on their face, by all means, take him or outside and play a game of catch. Thank you all for coming out. God bless and win the day.